Welcome to A Thriving Catholic Podcast, a show that's dedicated to helping Catholics live the extraordinary and abundant lives we were made for. I'm your host, Jessica Castillo. I'm a Catholic life and health coach, and it's my mission to bring you the best practices of body, mind, and soul each week and help you apply them in your daily life so that you can truly thrive. Well, hello and welcome to A Thriving Catholic Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Castillo, and I am joined today by Holly McElwain. Holly is a brave woman on a mission to help people live their lives fully, whether they're in the home or in the marketplace, by doing one brave thing every day. She's a leader in industry, an author, speaker, and the mom of two boys. Welcome to the show, Holly. Well, hi, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. I'm greatly happy to be with you this morning. My pleasure. Holly has so many cool things to share with us today, but for people who are just meeting you, what should we know about you before we jump in? Well, my name is Holly Joy McElwain. So I was gifted with a name that inspires action. Um, Being a woman of joy um, has been kind of my life's call And I worked for the first 15 years of my life in the Catholic church as um, a youth minister, a young adult minister, as an operational and organizational leader in the diocese and in Catholic schools. And so um, I, right from the very beginning, um, was really motivated by asking people to give a little bit more and to get the most out of their life. And so Um, which did you know about me that I work really hard Um, when I made the transition from working inside the church to working in industry, I had a lot of learning to do about myself and about interacting with other people. Um, I got married and I was surprised by that. I immediately had two little boys who were the loves of my life next to my husband. And um, I fill my days with Uh, service to my community, service to my home and service to the people of the organizations that I support. And so, um, you know, I, I do it all with joy and I I do it all, um, encouraging bravery. And sometimes the bravery is, is a tough conversation. And sometimes the bravery is getting out of bed. And sometimes the bravery is turning your phone off. Yeah, that's so good. There's so many ways to be brave. And you um, often introduce yourself as the chief cheerleader of the Brave Woman Project. Can you tell us about that? What is the Brave Woman Project and how did it get started? Yeah, thank you for that. Um, The Brave Woman Project is a nonprofit organization that I started, thus being the chief cheerleader, um, uh, three years ago. And if you're thinking back in history, um, we're at the start of the pandemic Um, My first book for She Who Leads Practical Wisdom from a Woman Who Serves had just come out. We just had this awesome release party and um, the book was uh, really catching attention immediately. I had a college tour set up. I had pre-orders. It was awesome. Um, The pandemic hits and no one really knows what to do except my garage suddenly gets filled with all of these copies of the book that had been on pre-order for my speaking tour. And, um, a couple of things happened in my household first was filled with joy. We found out we were expecting our third child and we're just overwhelmed with the, the amazing blessing that that was the second, my father-in-law was diagnosed with stage four cancer and we moved him into our home. And over the next two months, um, we prepared our family for just the changes that 
the beginning and endings would often bring. Um, I was in a leadership role at a university. And so it was really important that I maintain my, my space of um, working and navigating the pandemic for all of the employees that were serving our students. And um, in comes May, my, my dad passes away and um, we uh, experience something that causes the loss of our child. And so over the, just that first half of the year, the ups and the downs were really a lot. And women traditionally, even if they're working um, in a full-time capacity are still maintaining the majority of the home setting and the caregiving at home. So I was feeling all of these pressures as I was grieving and as I was healing. And I noticed that there were some really incredible professional women surrounding me and continuing to encourage me and give care. Throughout the next half of the year, we experienced even more of our our share of grief. Um, My husband was diagnosed with MS. We lost my father-in-law. And the pressure in our life became what I believe would be unbearable for many people. But because I was so um, incredibly supported by the women in my life, I was able to continue to hold things together for my family, to be support to my husband, to be a mother to my children, to be a leader in my business. And I recognized that that is not done in a vacuum. And so I started thinking about all of the things that I needed for myself to be healthy, to be well, to be thriving, to be life-giving on so many levels. And I have this philosophy about work, that work should never just be work, that when we work, we should be able to use all of our gifts and do wonderful, incredible, powerful things and feel fulfilled by the work, but then be able to turn that off and have a healthy boundary and be fully present for our lives, which are connected, but not intertwined with our work. And so I think that healthy integration is protected by healthy boundaries. Well, the pandemic really challenged that for a lot of people. And so what I found was a need for women who are working, many of them at home with the people they care for, found this need for a support structure to be in place for those women. So the Brave Women Project began as a practice of caring for women in my circle in a way that made sense for them virtually um, at lunchtime during the workday or on a Saturday morning. And it grew over the next three years into an organization that spans about 10 states in the U.S. that has a blend of in-person and virtual sessions. We have professional development. We have mentoring. We have um a wellness component with an exercise physiologist who creates on-demand workouts that can be done at home or in your office at your leisure. Um, We have wellness coaching. We have goal-setting professional coaching. We have um, overall health and wellness learning opportunities and um, this incredible network of professional women who are highly vetted so that we can have our paramount activity, which is our monthly virtual support session called Come As You Are, which is fully confidential and um, really is the is the paramount activity. Um, I'm the cheerleader of the organization because now I have a team of people who are running things in our operations as volunteers um, at all different stages of their professional lives. 
This is such an incredible organization. And thank you for sharing your story of how it got started. And, you know, you're right in your circumstance, so many women might've crumbled or, you know, that would have been an overwhelming grief, but instead God used you through your experiences to navigate out of that and now to create something that's really fulfilling a need that a lot of women have. And so much of our missions align because what does it mean to live this thriving life? Like how do you bring your whole self, all of your gifts and strengths and abilities to the work that you're doing, which is important work. Your mission is important, but how do you also balance that now with being the kind of mom you're called to be and being the caretaker of your home, being the, you know, the woman that you're created to be really. And it's like you mentioned, it's um, with support. It's with other women helping you make that happen. And so um, what when you talk about being a brave woman, you mentioned this a little bit when you were saying, you know, it could be getting out of bed could be your brave act. It could be having a difficult conversation. What does it mean to be a brave woman? Yeah, I think it changes every day. And that's why our organization has this, this tagline that we use. It's do one brave thing every day. I think that it, it, it really is. Um, dependent on the moment and, and you know what you're needing to do in the moment when you have real self-knowledge um, as a certified strengths coach and a certified professional behavioral analyst, I know that self-knowledge is really critical for protection and productivity. And so if you're going to protect yourself, you should know, how do you get the best of me? How do you get the worst of me? What do you need to be successful? And what's the value you bring? When you know all these things, you can identify the boundaries that are going to allow for thriving and, and not just surviving, because I think survival is important in some moments, but I desire to thrive and I desire the people around me to thrive. And so when you know the boundaries that are needed, then you can make the appropriate adjustments to be brave. So for me, sometimes the bravest thing that I need to do that day is have a real difficult conversation with someone about boundaries. Sometimes the bravest thing that I'm going to do that day is I'm going to turn everything off and, and delay the distress of tomorrow. And for some people, that's a really unhealthy thing to do. So you've got to know what's the brave action today. And I think that a brave woman knows herself. A brave woman knows how to say no. A brave woman knows how to ask for help. And a brave woman knows when it's okay to change. And I would not be able to say any of these things if it weren't for the two schools that have formed me one, the school of the brave women project, the women that taught me from the community. And the second is the 15 years that I spent working with professional Catholics, volunteers who are, you know, figuring out how to give of that little precious free time they have to their church, to their community. Uh, and the roles that I had when I worked in the diocese, I was helping professional people learn how to squeeze out those couple of minutes or half hour or three hours or whatever to give of their best and not just giving the rest. And I think that that was really influential for me to figure out how to integrate it all and be able to serve in the way that I do. Yeah. And it's so important what you're mentioning about, you know, knowing yourself really, really well, because what's brave for you might not be brave for someone else and knowing where your strengths lie and how you can get the best out of yourself. This is so important when it comes to fulfilling our missions, whatever our missions are, like you, 
the way that we're going to fulfill it is leaning into that unique design that God has created us with. Like we are uniquely made to do him some definite service. And when we know ourselves, we can kind of embrace that mission and bring our best self to it. Um, I just think it's so, it's so important for people to know. And, you know, one of the things that when one facet facet of being a brave woman, especially a Catholic woman today is you know, being a devout Catholic woman, sometimes in a very secular marketplace. And sometimes that takes a lot of courage. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think that it's really, really important that Catholic women who are practicing their faith and in love with our Lord and our and our Catholic faith are capable of being present in the marketplace, in the secular marketplace. Um, I've worked in secular, I've worked in secular businesses my entire career of working. So from the time I was what 14 on, I've always had this dual, dual, um, activity going where I, you know, I, I work where my passion is, but I also work where my pocketbook needs me to be. And so I've had an incredible experience of understanding that you can be who you are fully without putting people down, without appearing to be judgmental, not co-signing on the things that are, are, that we don't agree with, but loving people in a way that makes them want to be around you. My name is Holly Joy. There's a lot to live up to there. And I would say that over 50% of the people in my life that trust me and would consider me a good friend are not in full alignment with my belief structure. How does that work? It is, it is very capable, very possible of being a trusted friend to people who, who do not believe what we believe and who do not live the way we live without diminishing and diluting who we are because love is an action that we demonstrate. And I have this um, phrase in our bedroom, <laughs> on a whiteboard in our bedroom. And it says this, yes, I have a whiteboard in my bedroom. That's a whole other topic. But it says that if you live the if you live your life according to your values, you will always have the life you deserve. And I I really really believe that as a Catholic woman in the marketplace, I get to do a few things. I get to advocate for human dignity, regardless of what is popular at the time. I get to advocate for reason and truth and respect regardless of what is popular at the time. I get to make decisions about how we will move forward in difficult times by demonstrating the, a kindness and a respect that does not dilute truth and what is right and what is good and what is just. And I think that the cardinal virtue of justice is something that is so important that justice gives others what is due. It, it does not say that judgment is wrong. It does not say that you're never allowed to judge a situation. Um, but I think that it's tempered by the other cardinal virtues. When we think about tempered, I like what I just did there. But when we think about what 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 temperance or prudence is, when we think about what wisdom is, when we think about what fortitude is, we actually are able to create a framework that does not have to be uniquely Catholic, even mm-hmm. though it's our Catholic framework, but it doesn't have to be Catholic in order to be really common sense and great practices. So what I have observed and that I I've served many, many secular 
companies um, as a consultant. I am able to demonstrate so much of what is good and right in the world and teach that in the context of strength, of dignity, of the dignity of the worker. I'm able to teach that in the context of the Catholic social teaching of subsidiarity. And I'm able to teach that in the context of um, people are unrepeatable gifts. They might not be right in this role and they might not be right in this company, but when we let them go, can we do so with dignity? And I recently, in a previous role, so I guess not that recently, um, had the task of letting people go. And I felt so incredibly privileged to be the person in the room that lets someone go. That person at the one of the worst days of their life, being able to affirm their dignity, being able to affirm that they are good and to send them into the next phase of their life not feeling totally dejected and put down, but feeling like a person who has purpose and strength and with a sense of hope of what's next. It is one of the biggest privileges that I've had professionally. Yeah, it's so good. Like, I love what you're talking about too with the cardinal virtues, because, you know, a lot of secular writers now are even, you know, talking about writing a lot about the cardinal virtues, which I think are something that, you know, it predates Christianity, but we can also it's like a common ground, you know, like this is the common ground that we can rely on. And when you are living your Christian faith in the world, when you are like living according to your values, you are that light on a hill. You are the salt of the earth. You are like bringing this light, this joy into the world. And people notice that people recognize that even, and are drawn to that. So, you know, we talk about how God is goodness, truth, and beauty itself. Well, we should be a reflection of goodness, truth, and beauty. And so those things attract and people, people take notice that there's something different. There's something different about the way you're, you know, maybe even letting someone go, like there's a difference that you bring to your work and to your life when you're living according to these virtues. Um, What do you think though, what do you think is the biggest thing that's actually, that holds women back when it comes to taking brave action? What's holding people back? So I would think that there's two things that I will speak from experience of things that I'm aware of will hold me back. Um, And just from the, the, the hundreds and hundreds of women that I've spoken to and listened to stories from, I will say that the imposter syndrome is um, something that it, it is, um, it's so for, for those listeners who are not familiar, the imposter syndrome is a phenomenon that was heavily researched. And, um, and the, the idea here is that, um, about 70% of all people suffer from some version of the imposter syndrome. It is a a self-belief that you're not enough or that you're too much, that someone will figure out that you shouldn't be at the table you're in, that someone will discover that you were just lucky and not actually qualified. And it's a whole system of beliefs that, that undermines your unique giftedness. And it's a bunch of rubbish, but it's really real because it's, there really are real effects from it. And the higher achieving women um, are likely to be suffering with this negative self-talk. And, and so, you know, there's a false humility that sometimes Catholic women are formed to believe 
that if we put ourselves down, if we put ourselves low, then we are being humble and, and, and a good servant. But that really diminishes the giftedness. It diminishes the gifts that God gives us. And so I think the antithesis of that is a, is a real understanding of humility. Humility is not putting yourself down. Humility is seeing your gifts as they are and using them for the glory of God. And the glory of God is man fully alive, woman fully alive. And so I think that overcoming the imposter syndrome is one of the, the biggest challenges for, for women who are fully alive and thriving. And the other is the desire to please. And when we desire to please so much that we lack and care for ourselves, then we are not going to be fully alive. We are going to be fully drained. And as women, especially, we are designed uniquely to give our bodies to give life to others. So how many years have I gone without a full night of sleep because I was pregnant having a baby, nursing a baby, sleeping with a baby, tending to a baby, caring for a baby. I went years. I still go years. I'm still not fully night sleep, but I am so willing and I'm so uniquely and perfectly designed to give of myself for another that if I'm not very cognizant of the needs that I have that are essential, then I will be depleted and less effective. So brave action there is advocating for those spaces for your needs to be met and saying yes. When your girlfriend says, Hey, can I just come over and hold the baby so you can get a shower and stop thinking that it's putting someone out to say yes to their offer or the brave thing is asking for help. So Um, and that, that goes professionally as well. And, you know, the manifestation of that in my life at this phase is saying, I'm going home at this time because my family gets the best of me, not what's rest with what is left of me. And, um, and those are important things to talk about with other women, which is why the brave women project is so powerful. We're not a Catholic organization. We're not a Christian affiliation. We are a group of women fiercely committed to advocating for each other, protecting each other, helping each other, speaking truth to each other. Truth is universal. We don't have to have God in our mission to know that we are doing the Lord's work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you're saying too, about what true humility is, you know, and it is not true humility to diminish or to uh, disqualify yourself because of these gifts that God has given you. And so when you see yourself clearly, when you know that you've been given certain gifts and talents and abilities and strengths, and they're meant to be used and they can be used in service. And you balance that with what you were talking about with, which is seeing that you also have needs that need to be met. You need to, you know, taking care of yourself is not selfish. That's just how you're able to continue on in this mission that you've been given and to use your gifts to the fullest. Um, it's all so good. It's so in alignment with everything that I do with a thriving Catholic. And it's just, it's beautiful. I love it so much. So what would you tell women who are listening to this podcast? What is the first step? What is the first step that they should pursue after listening to this episode? What do they do next? Yeah. So I got, I got two, I've got the one easy. And then the second that will give you an opportunity. So, um, I have two books. One of them, it's a practical wisdom series. The first one is practical wisdom. Um, and it's about, um, so I'll give you the whole title for she who leads practical wisdom from a woman who serves that book is a, is a quick read that has actually, it's a workbook attached in, in court, including, and it starts with know thyself. That's the first step. Know yourself, 
figure out what those values are, figure out what your boundaries need to be in order to protect those values and work through it. So that book is, and they're really cheap on Amazon. So like get them, um, I get like pennies for them. So really just go and read them and get them and share them. Um, and then the second one is, um, you know, as you're working through that self-knowledge, um, what I have discovered is that there are often moments that are tender and grief emerges. Everyone is grieving something. And so I would say, pick up the second book too. It's for she who grieves practical wisdom for living hope, because once you have determined for yourself, like I want to be brave, but I want to do certain things with my life. You might have to shed other things. And sometimes those are family relationships because, because healthy is, is important. And sometimes there are generational habits that need to be broken. Um, sometimes it's friendships or relationships. Sometimes it's, it's mechanisms of escape that need to be shed. Sometimes it's a recognition that a professional career path is, is not where you're going to thrive. And so you have to let go of certain things. And so I think grief will emerge if it already hasn't, many of us have experienced grief. And so I would say that second step after you've done some of that work is to go through for she who grieves practical wisdom for living hope and start building out your plan for a future full of hope because the Lord created us as unrepeatable gifts for a purpose. The world needs us right now as we are who we are and to be stretching and reaching for that next best version of ourselves evolving into that woman is going to make our families better, our communities better, our friendships better. It's going to make us have a little bit more of a taste of what salvation is. And if we look back at the theological virtue of hope, that is defined as a vision of heaven. And if we are committed to living fully alive in a thriving way, then our eyes are searching for heaven but we can do so in a healthy way. We can do so in a life-giving way. And we can do so that creates a little bit of heaven on earth for every person who we encounter. Absolutely. That's so good. Such good advice. Um, I am going to link to both of the books in the show notes for this episode so everyone can get to those. Um, This has been so great, Holly. This is so much good stuff. And it's so in alignment with everything I'm always telling my clients about, you know, finding out who they're uniquely created to be and then getting out there and serving in the mission that God's given them. And it's just it's a win-win situation for everyone. It's good for you. If you become the saint version of yourself in the process, and you also bless the world by doing the work that God has uniquely equipped you to do um, at the highest level possible, really just being that best version of who you were already created to be. So this is so good, Holly. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for giving me a chance to talk about these things, which I often don't get to speak about anymore. So I, I really have been given life by this conversation and some, uh, some energy and my cup is filled so I can go be a good mom and fully present to my husband and have a, have a, you know, a life-giving experience too. So giving me a little heaven on earth is appreciated. Oh, you're so welcome. And this is what it is when we use our gifts. It gives people energy. It gives life. It fills your cup. So everyone get out there, find out what your gifts are and how you're going to use them to bless the world. Thank you so much again for being here.